Fletcher said, I care not who writes the laws of a nation, let me write its songs. We said ballads. Now, you haven't heard that quote before, right? No, I haven't heard that quote, but I like it. I think it's really cool. I'll introduce who this is first, but what do you think of the quote? Um, I think it's great. I think songs are applicable to anybody and everybody. I think that's what the best thing is about songs, whereas I I think people can agree and disagree with laws that get passed, but I feel like anybody can listen to a song, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been from or what you're going through, so... Interesting that you just bring up laws because this is Daisy Spratt. Yeah. Daisy is a. Are you a singer songwriter? Is that what I was? That's, yeah, that's how I describe myself. Yeah, singer songwriter. Yeah, but, yeah. but you actually work in that industry. Yes. Travel, yeah. yeah. So, like a real one, not like me, who just plays <laughs> guitar, but a real singer songwriter who gets paid to do it and also studied law. Yes, I so did. So, this is really interesting because in this series, in this cultural series, I'm tired of talking about politics. Who, who cares, right? Let's talk about what creates these crazy politicians in the first place. And I think it is who we are as a community. I think they, ref- they reflect who we are. And a lot of who we are is not based on them. It's based on the songs that we sing. It's based on the conversations and the laneways and the restaurants and just our lives every day. So today we're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about sing songwriting. I'm hoping you can teach me how to do songwriting. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, also law. So let's start, Daisy. Hang on. You're a lawyer? Yeah, I'm taking. I am like I'm fully qualified. I got admitted at, um, last year. You got admitted. Yeah, to Supreme Court last year. But I decided to take a bit of a turn this year and not practice um, and do some other things and focus on music as well. So. Are you going to go back to that? I'd like to eventually. I do enjoy it. I'm a bit of a study nerd, and I like to study and I like to read and I love drafting documents. So, really? um, yeah, which is a bit of a weird. Uh, thing to like, but um, what was your favorite subject then? Most contracts. That was uh, my favorite. Oh uh, no! Interestingly, contracts wasn't my favorite. I loved wills and probate. Oh, okay. Yeah, weirdly enough, um, love writing wills and um, uh, family law. I really enjoyed family law. And worst subject. Uh, I'll, I'll start real property. That was horrible. Property was my lowest scoring <laughs> subject and it was my hardest subject all the way through, even when I did training. So <laughs> definitely property. That's a joke. <laughs> yeah. So hang on. So you was you were a singer songwriter beforehand for years, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, I've been doing music and writing music since high school, but I didn't start gigging and actually getting paid to do it for a job until I was about eighteen. Okay, and yeah. then you go to law school. What did you get bored with singing? Or no, what? no. Um, I always wanted to do law. I was about sixteen, seventeen when I decided I wanted to pursue law, and my ATAR wasn't high enough at the time. Same. So yeah. I took a gap year, went travelled, did other things. Um, still did music at the same time, and then an opportunity came up for me to go and study online. So I went and studied. I think I started studying in two thousand and sixteen. For yeah. my law degree, and I did that. It took me about four or five years. So you did a, yeah. a whole law degree online? Yeah, the whole thing. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. I liked it, but not everybody can do that. It takes a lot of discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. How do you do moots and things like that? Um, through Zoom. Oh, <laughs> so you have that's to do it through video, yeah. Although it's very yeah. accurate. If you look today, the Supreme Court, they're all doing their hearings yeah. on Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I had to do um, all my training online. I had all my mentoring online yeah. through video, like with all my legal mentors. So, yeah, okay. everything was online. So your ATAR, this is similar to a lot of people. They don't know what... Okay, you've got mm. two types. Right? You've got people who get the ATAR who get into mm. medicine and law yeah. and pharmacy. Yeah. They do it because they can, and a lot of them end up not liking it or not mm-hmm. practicing it. Yeah. Then you've got people like us who did something else for a while. I, yeah. My ATAR was too low, and then went back and, and, and did it. Yeah. Did law. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you went back? Uh, I would have been, I think I was 19, 
19 or 20? When you went back to uni. When I went back to uni, yeah. 19 or 20. I actually did attempt. Yeah, I I attempted to do uni at Monash and I just didn't cope and I dropped out. So, and that's when I went and did my um, gap year and and did some other things and then I went and tried again. Do you feel like uh, people like who do that, like us, who who go back more deliberately, Mm. um, might have a bit more longevity in what we study? I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Because I think I think when you go through high school, there's a lot of pressure put on you to kind of sort your life out yeah. and decide what you want to do so fast. Um, and that if you don't get a certain score, these are your only options and you get put in this little box, um, which is kind of what happened with me a little bit because I didn't have the option to go and pick a law degree in mm. Melbourne because my score wasn't high enough, mm. um, even though that's what I wanted to do. So um, I think taking that extra gap and taking that time out to, yeah, do some travel, meet some people, sort yourself out a little bit, you kind of kind of come back and be like, okay, this is actually what I want to do at 19 or 20, and then you go into it deliberately. So you're a fan of gap years, obviously. Yeah, I would recommend them. I had a great time. I went to the US. I went, um, I was a camp counselor. I, I was a lifesaver. I taught swimming to um, like nine and 10 year old girls. I loved it. It was so fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, do you have you, you're in your 20s, right? Yes, I am. Have you worked it out your life? I feel like I'm, I'm in, I just turned 34, 35 the other day. Yeah. I still feel like I'm just starting to maybe work my life out <laughs> what I want to do. I think um, I think with the, the moment you work out, in my opinion, the moment you work your life out and you think you've got it all sorted out, things happen and things change and you've got to sort your life out again. I feel like you just go through seasons. Mm. Um, I felt like I was going working my life out in my teens and then I was all right for a few years and then at 21 I took a big turn and worked my life out again, met my husband and I'm now on this marriage journey and finished my law degree and doing music now and I feel like I'll probably go through that again when when I become a mom and when I hit my 30s. I feel like you're always going through these seasons where you're having to change. Maybe that's not, maybe it's the whole way through. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I think. (coughs) I feel like it's a constant thing Mm. and it's just learning to adjust and learning to a pivot, um, sorry, learning to pivot Mm. um, to those changes. Mm. Okay. I think we worry too much about uh, I felt like I had an early life crisis in my mid twenties, similar age to you. <laughs> and I think maybe that's normal. Maybe I like this idea of just remaking ourselves and reconsidering totally. ourselves all the time. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's a bad thing. I guess you could call it reinventing yourself. It's like, oh, I don't really like doing the same things I used to do back when I was eighteen. Mm. Actually, I would say that I'm quite a different person now at twenty five than I was at eighteen, nineteen, and twenty one. And I often tell people that when I was 21 was when I kind of woke up and changed all my bad habits. And that was when I met my husband. And it's when I, you know, started to, I started going to church again, things like that. Um, I feel like I really changed at 21. But when I talk to people, they're like, oh, that's very young to, to work that yes. out. So, so bad, bad habits? Smoking, partying. Yes, all those things. Yeah, I, was, I would say that I was a bit wild. I went off the, I went off the rails a little bit. And it is what it is. I don't have any regrets. But, um, yeah, I turned 21 and I was like, I can't keep doing this anymore. Like, my life's just constantly going in this bad cycle. I'm always emotional. My mental health was poor. Um, And I just didn't want to live like that anymore. And and it it took a while. And I just woke up one day and said, I can't do this anymore. I've got to do something about it. So How do you turn around that young? Did, did, did 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 it get that bad? That it yeah. makes you, is that what does it? I think you have to hit almost rock bottom to realize, uh, and and also like just having people around you that 
haven't hit rock bottom, you're like, I want a life like that. Like seeing family members and friends that, that they were going really well, they yeah. were in uni, they had their good jobs, they were in good relationships, and you want that. Yeah. So I, I guess that probably maybe triggered it. And I was just like, I just don't want to live like this anymore. And okay. it was very, it's a lonely feeling when you're, yeah, when you're that low, I guess. That's so young. To work that out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I People often tell me that, but I couldn't give you an answer why. I guess maybe I was just a... My mom always said that um, when I was born, I was born an old lady. So maybe um, maybe I was just unusually wise at a young age. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. And then you, you got married pretty quick. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was 23 when I got married. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, let's talk about um, this interplay between as I said in the intro, uh, culture and, and uh, songs and law. Because your brain, you obviously have an analytical side. Yeah. The legal side. Very over-analytical. But then I, being a creative, you can't be over-analytical when you're writing right? songs. You have to be fully open and free to be vulnerable and to let your mind run wild so you can write a fully honest song. So how do you, do, how do you switch between the two? Um... Honestly, I don't know how to answer that. I think the best thing that I do, like, for example, when I'm going to the studio, mm. I'll just try and listen to as many different songs as I can that help me switch off so that I can fully focus when I'm in there. Mm. That's kind of the biggest thing that I do. Um, well, when you do law stuff, do you get... I want, I'm wondering if other lawyers get what happens to me. Mm. I start... I haven't looked mm. at law for ages, and then I look at it, and I'm like, I don't understand any of it, right? <laughs> Uh, and then I just I've got to read it, read a case or so, and, yeah, and, and kind then, of get back into the groove. Yeah, and, and maybe twenty thirty minutes in, you get into this everything. The world fades away, and you're like, and you this can is see, all you can focus on. Oh, and you yes. see the legal reasoning and this yeah. justice, and you just you're, you're, you're in. Yeah. So I guess you'd you'd have that switch over as well. Yeah, it's a, it's just you just kind of have to put on your different hats, and, and the, you have to wear different hats, even just in the music industry with your marketing and all that. And I guess the same thing is for me with law. I've got to put on my legal hat. So do you uh, naturally tend towards the analytical or the free creative space? I probably lean more towards... Oh, that's a hard one. I feel like I'd probably lean more towards the legal. Yeah. I feel like I am very analytical. And I and it can actually hinder my songwriting sometimes. And I'll be writing a song and I'll, I'll be overthinking it. I'll be like, no. Nah, and I'll sit there for half an hour to an hour and I just can't finish the verse or I can't finish the chorus. Yeah. And it's in those moments I just have to walk away. Because okay. if I just sit there, I'm going to frustrate myself. Right. So I literally just have to walk away and come back to it the next day. Okay. Yeah. And your and your I haven't even shown them your music. Can I play a short clip of um, yeah, some music? Can. Yeah, of course you can do whatever you like. No. Okay. Right. Let's play a short clip of uh, thinking about you. It's a good one. See your latest one. Yeah, that's my newest one. Yeah, from last year. Yeah. All right. This is Daisy. You don't have to think that way. Something I can do Thinking about you I've been thinking about you That's what you need 
You liked it? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was a really nice song to write. It was actually a very emotional song to write. Yeah. Why? Uh, I had some family. Well, well who's it about? Because when I was listening to it, who are you talking about? Um, I'll be honest. I've never actually shared it, but I'll share it with you. You don't have to. No, 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 I don't mind. Oh, okay. Um, but I actually wrote it about my dad. Um, yeah. he, he struggled really bad during COVID, yeah. um, with his own personal mental health. And there was other family members as well that were struggling. Um, and that was kind of all I could think about at the time when I got into the studio with Liz and Rob. Um, and they're like, well, let's write about it. Um, and, and just about mental health in general was very, a very relevant topic for a lot of people last year. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so that's what, that's what we ended up writing about, but it was really emotional because like I'm the oldest daughter and I feel like I do have this responsibility to kind of be there to support, you know, my siblings and my parents. So it was a really tough time to try and be, I guess, sort of like that anchor for my dad at the time. That's incredible that you, the daughter, because usually you're far, I've got daughters. Yeah. And I want to be their anchor, but you're being know. anchor for your dad. Yeah. I, just not for very long, but just for a little bit. Um, what about the, your mum? Oh, definitely my mum as well, because oh. obviously, like, you know, she's married to him. So we yeah. had to support him as well. Um, and he's great now. He's um, he, he got all the help that he needed and yeah. he's doing really well now. Um, but just in that moment, you're just like, oh, I can't. I don't know how what else I can do. Like, yeah. especially when someone's going through something like depression. It's just yeah. like, what am I supposed to say or supposed to give you that's going to help you get out of that? Mm. Um, so you kind of just, yeah, you just keep um, speaking out good things until they actually believe you. But you, but you seem very up. Positive. Yeah. I, is that? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. I would say so. I'm very. I'm an introvert extrovert. I love being alone and I yeah. love being to myself and writing my own music. But yeah, like in situations like this, I love to chat with people and interact. And any opportunity for me to, um, I guess, be a positive influence and share my story, I'll take that opportunity. Do you get depressed though? Yeah, yeah. I have not not these days. Yeah. I I manage I manage my emotions much better now. Um, and I um. The moment that I feel like I'm getting triggered by something, I'll quickly, you know, go and read, um, I don't know, like a devotion or mm. go and get um, good counsel or something like that to help me. Whereas back when I was 18, 19 and 20, my way of dealing with it would be going out. It would be drinking. It mm. would be smoking. Mm. So instead of turning... Oh, sorry. I was yeah. only joking about the smoking and drinking. Oh, no, that was a legit thing. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, it was a legit thing. I don't, I'm not ashamed about it. Everyone oh. goes through their own seasons. But um, that was where I was at at the time. Whereas I don't do that now to deal with when I'm, when I'm low or upset. Okay. Because there's this theory. The reason why I'm not trying to dig into your psycho history, but okay. it's, it's that creatives. There's this stigma, right, that to be creative, mm. some of the most creative people have some of the darkest past. And even so, yes. like if you listen to some, so of the, true. Yeah, well, mm. it's true. But Very some true. of the big creatives you listen to, like on Rogan podcast, mm. they deliberately lean into pain or alter themselves through drugs or whatever mm. to reach that creative place. Yeah, to reach that spot yeah. within yourself. Yeah, yeah. To and talk I'm not. About it. Yeah, and you know, yeah. I asked the same question of Alice Blake when she was on recently, and she says mm. she doesn't think you need to mm. go through that to find creativity. I agree. Oh, you agree? I, I do agree. Like, I think there's beauty in pain, and you know, the reality is, no matter how hard you try, you're always going to go through some form of painful season in mm. your life. It's always going to happen, even if it hasn't happened in your twenties. It's going to happen at some point. Um, but I do agree with that. Like, I don't think you have to go through pain and purposely put yourself through, um, those sorts of trials, I guess, in order to write a good song. Mm. Um, like, yeah, I was in a little bit of pain last year, but all my other songs before that weren't terrible either. And, mm. and they're all written about like love songs and written about my first date with my husband and all mm. those sorts of things. They're all good things and they're not coming out of pain. So, okay. yeah. So the greatest songs in the world, you don't think they're 
out oh. of pain. Like Eric Clapton's uh, Tears in Heaven. Yeah, I know. You know that, that very painful song. Very yeah. painful song. I don't... Mm, I think that you can write brilliant songs out of pain, but I don't think you have to do that to, okay. go, to write brilliant well, are songs. Are there any brilliant songs that are not out of pain that you could... I don't know, um, Elvis, I Can't Help Falling in Love. Like, that's a that's nice not, song. That's, yeah, it's not that's a pain. nice song, yeah, and it's a very point. famous song. So I find a lot, of, a lot of love songs, not breakup songs, but love songs are often about some of your happiest moments with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So how do you write a song? Can you... How do I write a song? Show me. Because I, I don't understand how to come up with... A melody a or melody. lyrics without sounding stupid. Mm. I I have this fine because I, I do co-writes with people, like whether they're like up and coming songwriters or whether they've really, really experienced songwriters. And for me, I think everyone's got their own style, but I like to be a bit detailed. I don't like stuff to be vague, like, oh, I love you and this is so great. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's still a melody and still a song, but I feel like every there's nothing that you can write about that's never been written about before. Like, everything that you can write about has already been said and already been done. It's just that we're going to write it in a new way. How long does it take? Oh, it varies. So, like, I'll give you an example. Thinking About You was written in two hours. Okay. The whole thing, including the demo, melody and everything, we wrote it probably within about two hours. Okay, we don't have two hours. No, I know. So, <laughs> so but then sometimes, um, sometimes it'll be written within five minutes you can come up with a verse. Okay, so you said to me that you start with um, lyrics. lyrics first. Yeah, I often do lyrics first. And I think that's more because when I was, I started writing poems when I was about 13 and I didn't know how to put melodies to my poems. So I just would have all these lyrics and all these poems and then I worked out how to apply a melody to it with my guitar. So how, if we were to try and write a very simple line with a few chords right now, how mm. would we do it? Well, uh, let's come up with uh, a topic. What should we write about? <laughs> we can come up with we can come up with like one or two lines. Um, oh, we'll stick on the theme of the culture thing, right? Okay. I don't care about who writes the laws of a nation. Mm. Let me write its songs. Yeah. So why don't we write about um, something about uh, music, the importance of music, or music changing us, or mm. how it makes us feel? Mm. I like it. Um, you could pick anything. You could do Because uh... my brain says, oh, now I want to sing Music's So Cool. <laughs> That's terrible. It's not terrible. Music's it's... so good. I think, um, I think the concept is good. I think when you write lyrics, you, you're trying to paint this picture so people can actually picture what you're talking about. Um, so you could do like, um, you know... What is... Yeah, so go on. No, no, it's okay. So, uh, like... Instead of saying the word music, what's in the other words for music? You got melodies, you got chords, you got guitars. You can use those sorts of words like, um, you know, writing, writing melodies, writing melodies on the wall for everyone to see. And writing so, melodies on the wall for everyone to see. Which is quite a juxtaposition because you can't write melodies no, on the wall. No, but this is good. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah. now we have a line. You've got do, a line. What do you do with that? So I usually just fiddle with chords. Okay, so if I, because this, I'm a musician, so I, chords are easy for me, but melodies and things. So how's D? You singing D? Yeah, I like it. It sounds nice. Let's give it a crack. So I usually just like like um, what you're doing. I usually will just play a couple of chords, and I'll literally just play around with the melodies. Like, oh no, that line could be a bit higher, or maybe it should be a bit minory. 
Alright, so if I do a simple progression like um, what I emailed you about, just four, one on three, five, over and over. Not necessarily 20 minutes, it might be only 2-3 minutes and you might find something straight away, but yeah, I love that, let's go with it. Okay. Yeah. But well, I thought that sounded really nice. Yeah, writing yeah. melodies on the wall. That sounds really cool. I like that. Wow. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Alright, I don't know why I can't do it. I don't know. I can't answer that for you. <laughs> it's this weird thing with creatives, like... I think you have to be like really comfortable with yourself to just kind of let go. Yeah. Um, not saying that you're not, that's not what I mean, but I don't know, it's like this weird thing, you kind of just, you just have to explore stuff until something works. Okay. Mm. Alright, and, alright, let's, let's take our beautiful little song there, uh, and when, when you create something like that, uh, I guess you're refining it, you're refining it, you're, you're refining it, until mm. you come up with something that you feel is gold, or do you not know until you put it out? Because that's when I make videos, I don't mm. really know. Yeah, it's a bit of both. So, like, um, both of the most recent singles, Thinking About You and then my new one that I'm releasing, um, we, when we finished writing, we were like, this is good. Yeah. Like, we both got hyped. Like, you, we got hyped. We were like, guys, this is so good. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, I th but I also at the same time, you don't know how people are going to react either. Like, I might think it's amazing, mm. but then, you know, people might listen to it and be like, oh, it's not bad, but... I feel like your other ones are better or whatever. So how so you look at the big singers who do that. How mm. often do they can they predict they love it, the audience is going to love it? And how often is it you just can't tell? Mm, if I was going to give you a stat? Well, just in general. Just I, in I'd general. like T-Swizz and these sort of people. Do yeah. they know this is going to be big? This I, is going to be New York? I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people don't think it is. I think you just you love it. And it's it's a piece of yourself that you're sharing with the world, and you just hope that other people can appreciate and and want to listen to it. Mm. I don't think you plan to, you know, for those that have made billions of hits on Spotify. I don't think you plan that when you write the song in the mm. studio. Mm. We all hope for that, but okay. I don't I don't know if you can predict it personally. Okay, that's just me though. What, what do you reckon? Some of those big songs are. I'm thinking like, Welcome to New York. Welcome to New yeah, York. Yeah. yeah, that's a good song. You're a fan of T-Swizzle? Yeah, huge yeah. fan. I used to, I was obsessed with her in high school. I used to watch all of her documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. She's very talented. Very talented. How much of it is talent? How much of it is the production on top making her shiny? I definitely think there's an element of that. And I think she's, I think she's really built, I think she's built a really, um, good brand around her music as well. The reality is in modern day, it's not just good enough just to have a good song. You've got to have a brand to go with it. Otherwise, they're like, oh, like there's 25 million songs coming out all the time. Yeah. 
um, I can't remember the stat, it's like 60,000 new songs come out on Spotify every week. That's ridiculous. You're competing with that many songs, so she's got a great brand to go with that. She's got a story behind that. But I do think she's, I genuinely think she's a great songwriter. How do you know, though? Because this is what, what, you're, mm. what, what you're saying is so true. There's mm. so many... Britney Spears, for example, mm. you know, she's a phenomenon. She started a whole genre. But, gotcha. Yeah. Mm. But I sometimes wonder when you hear her off track... When you hear mm. her accidentally mm. live mic and stuff, mm. and um, I, I, it sort of breaks the illusion, and it makes me wonder how much of it was produced and how much of it was natural. Yeah. So when we see our big singers today, mm. Katy Perry or whoever, mm. uh, how much? How do you know if someone's genuinely got the goods, and other people have just been polished up with lots of not just auto tune, but everything yeah. the brand, anything. yeah, the whole image. Um. I think the reason that I think Taylor Swift is a good songwriter, I think it's just more because of the way, like when you watch documentaries and you and she actually posts personal videos of her actually singing to the camera yeah. in her own house. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's got to be legit. Like there's only so much editing you can do on a video of yourself in your bathroom or yeah. in your lounge room yeah. singing to, for your fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's... So how many how many out there do you reckon are like that? Like Taylor? Oh, I'm, 100% there's plenty of them, I'm sure. Who are genuinely talented. Yeah, I re but there's definitely equal amount that wouldn't be, probably. You're, okay, because... Yeah, it feels like that, especially when you get the really produced tracks with mm. lots of... I don't know what the word is, like lots of synth and... Yeah, and reverb. Reverb, <laughs> yeah, and, the, like and then the whole T-Pain effect. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I often, um, for me, with um, certain artists, I think the way that they perform live, for me, says a lot. Um, if they perform live. If they perform live, I know, because there is a that has happened with previous artists back in, over the years where mm. they are lip-syncing. But for ones that aren't lip-syncing, I feel like you can usually tell these days. I feel like I feel like fans these days pick up really quickly if you're too fake and when you're pretending, in my opinion, but agree to disagree. Whereas, like, Back in the day, people kind of just caught up, got caught up in the hype, regardless of how talented they were. So who's, can you say, who do you think's faking and who's genuine right now? Like T-Swizz, we think's... I think she's legit, yeah. I think she legitimately writes... Uh, I mean, obviously, she would probably co-write, but I feel like she's genuinely got songwriting talent, and I think, yeah, singing-wise, singing she can definitely sing. Who do, you think's a, who do you think's a bit more brand and produced and not so... Hmm... That's a hard one. I'm just trying to think of somebody. Uh, Brandon and produced. Oh. We had a. I mean, like, because you mentioned Britney Spears. I mean, she's not. She's not really into like today's. Not that she's not modern, but that's probably more back in the early 2000s and late 90s. Um, but you think she was quite produced? I do think so. I think she actually did have. I mean, look. There's mixed opinions with with her because of different stories that have come out over the years as well. But um, I think she did genuinely have talent because I've seen yeah, same, I've seen yeah. actual videos of her when she was 8, 9, 10 years old singing and she had a brilliant voice back then. But I do think the position she got to in the music industry was definitely because of her branding and marketing are and you, all that sort of are stuff. Are you trying to work on your brand? Yeah, for sure. Everyone has to. Are you trying to be fake? No, I'm not trying to be fake. <laughs> so how? Well, what is brand? Yeah, what is brand? <sighs> Brand is, well, I mean, it's how you create a following. Like, you've got to, every, unfortunately, the music business is a business. Like, if you're going to make any form of income from it, 
as an artist, yeah, you can have all the talent in the world and be a brilliant songwriter and a brilliant singer, but if you don't have a brand that people want to follow, then you're probably not going to make any income from it. What is your brand? Can you describe it? My brand? I liked storytelling. I write a lot of love songs. Um, I'm very carefree and a bit boho-y. I don't... I'm not Just glam. boho does that mean indie? Indie. Yeah, I guess yeah. you could put it that way. I just don't like using that word. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess indie is probably the best way to put it. Um, I guess I'm like... Not glam. Not glam. No, I'm not the type that would wear like... Like Alice Blake was on. She's pretty glam. Yeah, she's she cool. She looks cool. Yeah, yeah she looks cool. Wait, looks she's cool. she. I to me, her vibe is kind of almost like this '80s mm. fluoro neon sort of vibe, which I love. Mm. And she's kind of created her whole brand about mm -hmm. around that. Mm -hmm. Mine's kind of like uh, nostalgic, like '70s, like old school flare pants. Like I'm wearing flare pants today. I love flare pants. And um, uh, what do you call it? Um, what's that filming when it's like crackly and all that? It's like that. Like, oh, like when the, it's kind of, it's old film Static, effects. yeah, like yeah, that yeah, static yeah, yeah. filming, like I, I'm doing that whole thing with my brand. You remind me of Keena Gr Gr Granis. Keena Granis, do you know her? No. Hmm. Anyway, there's Is she a good this... singer? Oh, amazing. Yeah, I'll yeah. search her up. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll But Keena Granis is, there's this whole thing about um, authenticity, not just in music, but... I assume in music, but this idea of people wanting something more kind of like what you say, boho and natural and real and raw. Yeah. Raw is probably the raw. best way. Yeah, the raw and organic is probably, if you want to put words on it, is probably the most. And it's not that it's not that other artists aren't raw or, or organic. It's just that I think in today's society with so much technology, you've got Instagram and girls, you know, you've got filters oh. now and you can pretend as much as you want and post whatever you want about your life, regardless of whether it's true or not. But um, because everyone listens to music, I think they want to have a real connection and a real authentic experience with artists now. It's not just about being impressed by a fancy show anymore. So how do you be raw to your audience? Um, well, posting videos of me at home, you know, sharing a little bit about my life, yeah. making sure that people, you know, people know that I'm married, people um, know what I, well, sort of, I guess they know kind of what I do for a day job. I do a lot of um, community work as well, like kind of being open to share parts of my life just other than just music uh, as well. Is there a resistance for some people not wanting to share their personal life? I think, yeah, for sure. I think some people want to be more private. Because well, there is in the professional circles like lawyers and stuff, right? Yeah, but you yeah. Think singers as well want to do that. I feel like they probably would. I feel like some people do want to have a more. They probably they probably want to keep music separate as a job and keep their private life separate. But I think yeah. sometimes, unfortunately, that does have to merge a little bit. Okay. If, in my opinion. How raw do you get though? Because I do a similar mm. thing. I don't do mm. music, but I try and show my life as well. Mm. Well at least behind the scenes of what we do here. Yeah. And is it about showing them the mistakes? Like often when I interview, my, my shirts have issues <laughs> and you always see my stomach through them and I've got to wear singlets or something, you know? Is yeah. that the rawness we're talking about and look out, look at For my sure. rolls on the beach? Or are you talking about something else? So do you have to get out there and – because this is with the positive, body positive movement, right? So yeah. models yeah. Yeah. will say – yeah, look, I'll look at my abs now, but then look at me sit like this, I've got all these yeah, fat rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's cool. I think it, because unfortunately the technology has created this unhealthy mentality that 
there's a, 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 a such a specific image and life that you have to live up to that's going to be deemed as perfect or, or beautiful or whatever by society. So I think things like that, it, to me, are raw because it makes people go, oh, she's actually human mm. and it's okay, she makes mistakes too, so I don't have to feel terrible about myself if I'm not measuring up to that. Are we all like that though or are some people actually perfect? Like the Victoria Beckham like... <laughs> I don't think anyone's perfect. I think everyone's no got issues. I think everyone's got... I think everything's got... Everyone's got something that's imperfect about them. Everyone's got something that they struggle with. Everyone's got a bad habit that they're trying to get rid of um, regardless of what it is. I think... Everyone? I think so. so that's just my opinion, but... Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious if there are some people out there who think they're all that. Look, you do have people that are probably... I guess on the arrogant side and don't think that they have any problems. But to mm. me, that's just living in denial. Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think you, I don't think there's not one person on the planet that's perfect and doesn't have anything, doesn't have any mistakes or any issues or anything like that. So why do we present it? Why do we present that image of? I think probably because it's easier than talking about it or admitting to fault or admitting to making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. But we all kind of do it in a way, right? Like, you know, we put makeup in our faces. Yeah. Me too now because I do this all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And we, you know, we try True. and present ourselves in the best light. Yeah. We dye our hair. We do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Because, like, I wouldn't, like, I, I used to wear really heavy cakey makeup because I used to be really insecure about my skin and my yeah. face and stuff like that and... Um, I used to get my nails done, all that sort of stuff, but I don't do that now. Um, okay. Now I wear my the makeup I wear is super light. Yeah. Um, I literally just put like a powder on and a little bit of um, eyeshadow, a little bit yeah. of eye and some mascara to make so my eyes don't look. So you can see my eyes because they always look really small. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, that's a hard one because I feel like you can still present yourself and care about your appearance and take pride in yourself without taking away that rawness. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but th th it seems to me there's this body positivity movement as well. Yeah, yeah. Not the one we just talked about, yeah. the good one. There's another one which says, for example, uh, healthy at any size. Yeah. Scientifically, not, I, so mm. I used to be huge, right? Mm. So I'm coming down from 150 kilos. Wow. It's not healthy to be 150 kilos. No, it's not. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And yet we're being told... Um, mm. You can be healthy at any size or uh, if you don't think I'm beautiful and I'm not mm. showered and whatever, then <laughs> yeah. you're I smell prejudiced. like B.O. Yeah. You're supposed to love me. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely a thing with me and my husband. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> no, because like I, I'll be honest, I personally don't like showers. I, I shower, I shower, I shower every you day. You smell okay to me. I do? Oh, yeah. good. I'm wearing Marc Jacobs. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't like showers? I just find them very annoying, like having to like. <laughs> I find them annoying having to get undressed and get in there, and you gotta, and then you gotta, get, gotta get out and dry yourself and put your clothes back on. Whereas I'd rather just leave my track pants on and just go to bed. I'd like, rather be dirty. Yeah, yeah, just go to bed. So what are you showering once a week? No, 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 no. I shower every day. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I shower every day. But I just don't necessarily enjoy it all the time. I'm just like. I don't shower every day. It's like a chore for me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Feels like it for me, whereas a lot of people don't agree. But <laughs> Some days I'll be in this room for two days straight and nobody sees me. Yeah. I haven't showered. Really? Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't think see there's anything wrong with that if you're by yourself. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so yeah, I just think we, we all do a certain level of 
not flexing, of presenting a nice, yeah. a, a nice yeah, image. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out where that line is. Where's when it the becomes, boundary? When it becomes where it's too, too much. much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, that's a hard one. Um, mm. I think... I think that that's I think that's like a personal thing though. Like you have to know yourself and be like, "Ooh, this is who I am, but I'm trying to present something all the way over here that's obviously not real." So that's probably more a self-identity thing, which only you can work out for yourself. It's funny though, you know. I only uh, you know, I wear suits all the time because I'm interviewing MPs or whatever. Mm. And it's become part of who I am. Like it changes who you mm. are. And I'm always doing videos, so I've always got um, uh, CC cream on, makeup mm. on. Uh, and so it's becoming who I am. It's yeah. like, is this who I am now? Because it started as, mm. oh, I'm just meeting a poly. Mm. But now it's like, I'm in a suit, I've done my hair and I've put stuff on my face. Yeah. I guess that's who I am. Is that where you want to be though? Oh, doesn't matter. It's what I've become. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. have a choice. Yeah. Um, mm, so let me, let me ask, uh, I, I'm very surprised actually to hear, I thought you were you're 30 for some reason. Everyone thinks I'm older than I am. Yeah, because you look old. No, <laughs> it's because you've done a lot. Yeah, I think so. I um, I always bite off more than I can chew. And, <laughs> and you get, you, too much. I mean, you get paid to make music, right? Sort of. Yeah, yeah. I get paid. Uh, or have been at some point. At past. some point, yeah, yeah. I definitely get paid for for my gigs. Like I go out and perform. I get paid for that. Yeah. I, you know, I make royalties. That sort of thing. Yeah. 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 So how I'm just surprised someone can do it at such a young age at 25. At, yeah, 25. I thought that so, was old for me in the industry. Yeah, weirdly oh, enough. Okay. So like, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it is or not. Like a lot of like, for example, you've got like artists, modern artists in Australia now, like Tones and I and Amy Shark that are you know 26, 27, you know 30, 31, whatever, however yeah, old they are. Yeah. So they're older than me, but like they don't look old to me. No. They look like 22. Yeah, <laughs> they look yeah. so young. Yeah. Um, but like when I was in high school, I was like, oh yeah, like you know, I want to, you know, have a music career by the time I'm like 18 or oh, 19 yeah. and be like Britney Spears. She was huge at like 17. You know what I mean? So you have like this idea. And then I like, I was, I remember when I was really young, I was like, if I'm not famous and don't have, you know, all these things by 25, I'm quitting music. And here you are. Here I am. I'm still doing it. I'm not going to quit. <laughs> so. so this interview is about to take a turn because I've realized that you're younger than I thought. I'd really like to get your perspective yes. on a young person's perspective because mm. I'm old. <laughs> You're not that I'm old. Ten years older than you. Well, my husband's thirty-four this year. Oh, is he? Same yeah. Age. So I'm. That's probably why I, I seem older. That's probably why I seem older because like all of our friends are like thirty plus. Most of them. Oh, because you hang with those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, so it might be why. Okay. Well, before I ask you about the perspectives of young people, uh, <laughs> your husband has that age gap go. It's only nine years, right? But yeah. it, it's a earlier part of life. Age gaps appear bigger than later in life. Like if you're sixty yeah, and seventy, sure. who cares? But yeah, so yeah. you were twenty three and he was 33, 32 when you got married. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, do you guys is but there heads? a disconnect? No, is there a disconnect? Oh, just because my wife of the age? is the same, exactly the same age. Weirdly enough, it's not. Like it's never ever actually been an issue. We met when I was twenty one. Um, but isn't he like, oh, no, you don't understand. You haven't lived through your 20s. Oh, Trust we, me. We had a couple of those conversations, but I think maybe that could possibly maybe be the right reason why I grew up so quick and I've done so much yeah. because I he's a positive influence in that sense where he's worked really hard and he's built up a really great career for himself. Yeah. Um, and I want that too. I want to do that. Um, so maybe that, maybe that could be why, but okay. I don't know. Or maybe he's just being arrogant. Calm down. <laughs> Is he going to watch this? 
Probably. <laughs> no, it's okay, Han, you're great. <laughs> um, of course you would stick up for him. Of biased. course, of course. <laughs> so, okay, so you haven't really felt that disconnect. No, not all right. at all. So generational attitudes across mm. generations, let's go there. Yes. Mm. Because I, well, you're wrecking my argument. Because I, I thought you would give me this perspective of the younger generations now, of the 20-year-olds. Are you in touch with them? I feel like, I feel like I'm out of touch with that. Oh, no. So, um, but... Both, I've got two younger sisters. So I've got one sister who just turned 21. Yeah. And I've got another sister who just turned 24. And even though there's only four years difference between myself and my 21-year-old sister, I feel like that we were born in totally different generations, in my opinion. What, because of what, what was happening when you grew up? Yeah, like I just feel like um, I, I personally am not a huge fan of social media, but the reality is like to, to kind of do business and to, yeah. to share about things, you kind of really need to use it. I'm not really big on it. I'm not big on taking tons of photos. I'm not big on wearing lots of makeup. I'm, you know, I don't wear hair extensions and all that sort of stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that if someone wants that. But I just noticed that a lot of girls grow up so quick now oh. in that sense, like, um, in their teen, like at 15, 16, they look like they're 25 because they've got like tons of makeup and they, they watch YouTube videos and their makeup looks better than mine. And like, yeah. Does that make sense? Because, because they're influenced by the culture through social yeah. media and so Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Whereas I, I, I didn't get my first proper mobile phone. I think I was like 13. Whereas like you've got people. That's still <laughs> young. Which, which sounds young, but like the, there's kids now getting them at five, six and that's, seven. That's wrong. You know what I mean? So. Um, I, yeah, it's to me, even though it's, it's only a couple of years, it's changed so much in that mm. time. In well, my but opinion. you had the internet your whole life, right? Yes. I mean, as far yeah. as you can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my first email address when I was five. I'm <laughs> just going to so, email a five year old. Yeah. So that was so I could sign up to Barbie accounts uh, <laughs> and play Barbie online. Do you but, remember September 11th? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I was in the US at the time when it happened. So you must've been eight or something. Uh, how old was I? No, I was younger. I would have been... But you remember it Four still. or five. Wow. I, I do remember that far back, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but I remember because um, my mum dropped me off at preschool and my mum saw the first... Oh, the second plane hit live on mm. television. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad used to travel back and forwards to New York at the time mm. for some work stuff. And I remember all of our family in Australia freaked out and, like, they were calling us and, mm. is everyone okay? And we were. We weren't in New York at the time, but... Um, yeah, that was an interesting time. Okay, when I talk to young people, <clears throat> younger than you, uh, they see September 11th as a, a as a page in a history textbook. No, I don't. I don't. Like I you went, went when I was when I had my gap year and went to the US. I was in New York for about two weeks, a week or two. It was a um, long enough for me to go and do a lot of touring around there. Mm. And I went to the 9/11 site, and like it was. I lost it. I just cried. It was like the most emotional thing ever going through there and like seeing all their names and actually physically getting to see all the real human beings that were in that building. Like it's full on. Like I remember a couple years ago, I was just obsessed with 9-11 for some reason and I just did lots of reading on it and I like, I was watching docos on it and so watching American. videos. We don't yeah. really care in Australia. Like we no. saw it, we've moved on. Which is fair enough because it's not, it, it's, it, it was Americans that, ex oh, I suppose there was lots of internationals there too, but yeah. um, it would be different if that, something like that happened here, obviously. Which is like what happened in, um, in Sydney, uh, what, what was that? Mar Martin, Place. Martin Place. I was there. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> a couple of train stations over, but we had patients yeah. caught up in that. Yeah. Yeah. So like here in Australia, that was a really big deal when that happened because it was actually on our, our home turf. So yeah. it's different when it's actually here. 
So what do young people think of the world today? At least from your perspective, half young, half old, as we've established. What do you think about the state of the world? Good, bad, otherwise, or or do they not care? I don't know. The the perception from older generations Mm. is that younger generations are so busy on TikTok. Yes, that's a thing. (laughs) That they just don't engage with what's happening around them in the world today. Yeah, I do agree. Like, I I think a lot of, I think if I was going to come from a younger perspective, they probably just don't really care about the news and like what's going on as much. What do they care about then? TikTok. <laughs> Entertainment. Entertainment and feeling good. Feeling I think good. I think it's all I think we've kind of merged into this this whole generation of like your feelings and wanting to feel good and if that makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't like that, I don't want to know about it and I don't want to be a part of it. That's my opinion. Um rather than facing the fact that there are some of these issues, these are real things we need to talk about. Although, with that said, for example, with the I'll use the Black Lives Matter movement, for example. Very popular amongst you. Very popular. Yeah. So it is a bit interesting because I do think that whilst they people want to feel good and don't want to kind of engage in things that don't make them feel good, there there are these certain topics that younger generation seems to be really passionate about as well. But this is old. This happened in the 70s, right? Oh, yeah. When it's our been, parents this, this, were young, yeah, yeah, yeah. they got into social causes. Yeah, yeah. And then people seem to care about them less as they age. You noticed? Yeah, I do notice that. I think maybe because, just as an idea, could be maybe because not a lot changed or maybe the things that they advocated for didn't happen, so they were like, what's the point? It's Mm. been going on for 20 years or whatever. Mm. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts about the world today? You have an analytical mind and a legal mind, and there's a lot happening legally around the world today, even Mm. in terms of what we're seeing uh, trying to deal with COVID. There's some Mm. interesting questions being raised about the, how do laws work and what's yeah. law and what's not law and, and ethics. So well, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? As a lawyer, constantly having I mean, to weigh up the, your ethical responsibility and the ethical dilemmas with things. Yeah, because if you said to someone two years ago some mm. of the things that we're, we're doing now, they would say, no, that's not... That's, that's not that's, ethical. Well, that's not right. Yeah, I'm just thinking about things like in Israel mm. uh, coming out this week. Mm. So is it okay to talk about... Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Israel, you know, where they're, you, they're, you can't go to gyms now unless you have a proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff we would, wouldn't have wouldn't thought have, about. Wouldn't have thought about. No, not at all. And New South Wales is bringing this in apparently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like even in Europe now, um, I know to go into Ireland, I know this because I was meant to go to Europe last year. We had to cancel our whole yeah. trip. So I've had to like contact tons of airlines and stuff. But I know with France, you have to um, show proof that you've had a negative COVID test. I think it's 48 hours or 36 hours before you board your flight, mm. just if you want to go in and out. Mm-hmm. So like that's A few how... countries have that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So lots of countries have that now, which is just interesting. It's just like you have to go to the doctors and get all these tests now just so you can travel, you know, interstate or travel to your next door neighbor country sort of well, thing. Well, if we put our legal hats on for a second, mm. it's very interesting isn't it, in terms of the Normally, you know, you can require people to get a passport to travel to a country. But mm. the difference with a vaccine passport is now we're including medical freedom and questions of bodily autonomy and medical... Yeah, dealing with and, someone's... And privacy. Per, yeah, 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 someone's personal body, yeah. Right, so the law yeah. is now extending more into the body. And there's and some saying you curly, have to get a test even if you don't want to. Yeah, some, yeah so, so it's interesting. Curly questions there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, for me... Personally, like for example, with the vaccine, I'll openly say I don't know if I want to get it straight away. Probably won't get it. 
Why do young? Is it because you're at less risk? Because you're young. I am less. I definitely am less risk, um, and I don't have like an immunocompromised system. But I'm also just super skeptical because it's been rushed through so quickly. I there's no guarantees. There's already been issues over the, in the UK with it. So how can they guarantee I'm not going to get those same issues when I get the vaccination? Okay. Um, but what if they force you? How are you going to go to the shops? Like in Israel? Yeah, I know, I know. So that's that. Like that's that's pondered myself and my husband's mind. It's like, oh, if we want to travel mm. at any time soon, if we want to go overseas and they make it compulsory, would we get it? So, yeah, I don't know if I'd get it. I might just, I don't know. Not travel. I don't know, yeah. Or even forget travel. I'm thinking about going across, like, to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, state, I know. That's what I mean. crossings, yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one. Like, if I had to be confined to Victoria for, like, the next 10 years... I don't know. That's a hard one. Maybe that's how they get it done. They just they just say you can't do anything unless you unless get you get it, the and vaccine, then, and then we all just get it. Yeah. Well, they do. I think they only brought in like ten million of them anyway, so they'll probably need more. But yeah, sorry. I won't talk. We get off the topic of vaccines. I just saw some interesting things this, this morning that the, the rollout in Australia is a lot lower than they expected. Unfortunately, well, mm. for, whatever I don't, whatever your views mm. on vaccines, go for it, guys, mm. on the comments. But mm. a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Everyone's allowed to do what they like. I don't. It doesn't bother me. Well, but. this is the point. Everyone's not allowed to do what they like. Well, I know, right? right? So like you can choose to do it, but you actually can't. <laughs> so apparently the rollout's not going... The, the uptake rates are a bit too low. Mm. So the government has put this thing where they have to have everyone vaccinated, a certain number by 800,000 or something by mm. um, October. Oh, gosh. But there's a lot of voluntary... People who are voluntarily deciding because it's voluntary mm. to not get it and so they're concerned that's why you said they won't big, meet that yeah that's yeah. why i seeing a big media push and everyone's saying get it get it get it mm. anyway that's interesting that's all of vaccines <laughs> i said to <laughs> you when vaccines. you came in i was trying to not talk about politics i oh, know that's okay that's fine <laughs> don't stress mm. all right um singers seem to be allergic not singers but creative people mm. seem to be allergic to this right what is it? Politics and, and, and uh, this kind of stuff. News. I, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Not so much now, though, although I feel like it's much more encouraged for an artist to be engaged with politics and what's going on now. Only from one side, right? Yes. So the girl that was cancelled from the movie, Gina Carano, do you know about that? Anyway, mm, no. uh, people who want to stand up and they of mm. they might stand up for, oh my God, I'm about to say abortion. <laughs> this interview's going way off the rails. But they stand up for abortion rights or they stand up for conservative values or they stand up for their Christianity beliefs or mm. whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. Th- they yeah. get pushed mm. aside in Hollywood. Mm. And the ones that stand up for, like Alyssa Milano stands up for other, the op- opposite of those arguments and they mm. get championed. Mm. How do you, f- do you find any pressure to have certain politics within um, the creative industry? Uh, I do, but I still have the opinion, I have... I have the view for me and with my brand where I want to stay as neutral as possible. Just from, I, mean, I know it sean's terrible. No, I'm laughing because I'm I've been talking about from, it. With you. From a music front, oh. just because it is, if you want to get technical, it is a business and it is a job. Yeah. Like if I worked in a corporate space, yeah. I just wouldn't deem it as appropriate to be posting all the time and sharing all the time my opinion on, you know, those really conservative issues. I think it's okay to talk about it personally and like with your colleagues um, out of work, but. Um, I wouldn't talk about it with them in work. It's nothing to do with my job. So, 
I just I try and keep that separated from my music. But sometimes you can't. It depends on what you're writing about. You might be really passionate about something and you want to share about it and write it in a song. So, and you're people are entitled to do that. But but you wouldn't write a song with a political message. Not no, no probably not not necessarily. Because you think it's not appropriate, or you think it'll tick people off. Or? Uh, yeah, I have this. I have this thing where I do struggle a little bit with people pleasing, and I, it is something I'm working on because it's like the reality is you're not going to please everybody anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so hard. I have the same thing. Yeah, it's so hard to then decide I'm not going to please someone, and then you do it, and they're not pleased with you. And I just like, I really just want to say what you want me to say. Yeah, so that it's like, like, what me. do you want? Because yeah. it's hard because I view music, the music industry, it sort of is a service industry because you're not going to get anywhere unless people are actually listening yes. to your music and buying it. So I do have a little bit owing to my fans and the people that listen to my songs because they're the ones that are going to be listening to it. They're the ones that are going to come to my shows. They're the ones that are going to buy the songs. Yeah. So in, in, I do want to serve them back and sort of, I guess, what they want while still staying true to myself and what I actually believe in as well. So, so how do you balance that? Because I have the same problem with me, with my media stuff. Yeah. You can. I've deliberately not just bowed to what people want to see because that's what gives you clicks, views, likes, yeah. sponsorships. Oh, of course, yeah. But then I just feel like I'm selling myself out to. I know, and you don't want to do that. It's like I don't want to sell my soul. Like I still want to be honest and yeah. true. I don't want to lie, and say something. So it's for me <laughs> instead of instead of um, picking uh, picking a side. I just would rather just not talk about it mm. through my music anyway mm. if you talk to me as daisy simmons the person mm. who votes as an individual civilian sure i'll talk to you but about it but i don't know as daisy sprat as a singer songwriter it's a bit tricky with your um writing then you know back to the original quote uh andrew fletcher he wants to yeah. change the world yeah. through culture and yeah. writing its songs mm. do you are you aware of the cultural impact your songwriting could have, or does, does that? Not I hope it has mind? a cultural impact. Oh, you, you want? I, it to? Yeah, like I mean, um, the whole idea of all the songs that I'm writing, particularly like thinking about you, is raising awareness about mental health. This new song that I'm about to release is all about unmet expectations. Weirdly enough, we're talking about music, but unmet expectations in a music career and learning to pivot and change oh. when life doesn't go to plan. It's like I want to share this whole message. Um, to, I guess, maybe hopefully shift a culture around mental health, to shift a culture around the way people look at themselves. To what? To what? What are you trying to achieve there? Well, on the mental health side, for people to talk about it. And you think that's a problem? We're not talking about it enough. We are talking about it more, which is good. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do still think there's a stigma around it. Around it, I think there's a stigma around people going to get counselling. There's okay. a stigma around people going to get help. Um, when I think, like, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's, even if you're in a good place, I would highly recommend people go and get good counsel. Okay. Um, it's very healthy, rather than trying to deal with stuff all on your own in your own head. Yeah. Um, and it, I do still think there's a little bit of a stigma around that, like, oh, I my life's great. Why would I go and get counseling? Okay. Or why would I go and speak to somebody, even though I'm fine? So um, you're trying to get people to be more vulnerable? More honest. Yeah, doesn't have to be honest with the whole world, but at least be a little bit honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's what you're trying to do with your music, and you're also trying to. So that was um, mental health, and you said you're also trying to shift the conversation on other areas as well. Um, Yeah, what did I say? Um, Shift the conversation on, I guess, the way that people view themselves. Like it's okay, it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to accept 
to accept the fact that life didn't really go the way that you wanted. Oh, but that's the new single, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and learning to um, learning to have healthy stress coping mechanisms, I guess, rather yeah. than like turning to, you know, option like objects like alcohol and things like that. There are other ways that you can actually deal with your stress yeah. and deal with unmet expectations. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's the name of it, Unmet Expectations. No, it's called 23. But that's 23. the kind of concept behind it. Because, I mean, I do that, like, the, I, I'm a trainer, like, during the week for high what? school students. Oh, training. High school, yeah, yeah, train them in, like, certificates. Yeah. What, um, what was that in? You said that earlier. Um, so I train in um, uh, catering operations. It's, like, food. Like, food how certificates. To, uh, how to be a catering. Yeah, how to do catering and cooking oh, and okay. hygiene and workplace health and safety. I do that sort of training, but with high school students. And a lot of the high school students have those problems where they don't know how to how to yeah. cope. They might have come from really rough backgrounds. Yeah. They're falling through the cracks in high school. They're probably not going to go to uni because they can't cope with the academic stuff in school. Um, so part of my job is not just to help them train in a certificate, but also to help teach them basic life skills that are really uh, important. Like what, cooking? Well, no, no, like how to, how to hold down a job, like how to um, show up on time, oh. how to have a, an adult mature conversation with your boss if you're not coping. Yeah. Like, just basic stuff that we probably take for granted. Okay. Yeah. So, do you teach them cooking, though? I do, yeah. <laughs> People yeah. know on this show, if you talk about food, where I love food. Yeah? Yeah. I love food. I I'm love a sweet food. tooth. Oh. Yes. I'm an everything tooth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll eat, yeah, I'll eat everything, but I love sweets. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and you said you work in a cafe as well. Yeah, so that's where I do all the training. I do it at a, at a cafe. <laughs> Social enterprise, that's great. Mm. Yeah, there was a, there's a restaurant I went to recently called Afghan Gallery. Oh, yeah, and, I've heard of Afghan oh, Gallery, actually. So good. They're yeah. in um, Fitzroy, yeah. Brunswick Street. Yeah. And they uh, had a lot of the Afghanistan people from... They were born in 82, the, mm. the restaurant. And they had people come from Afghanistan and they would give them visas and stuff and train them in the kitchen as yeah. a way to help refugees, right? Mm. Uh, I, so cool that you're doing a social enterprise cafe where you're helping these kids to learn life skills not yeah. just how to cook yeah that's kind of like that's a whole mandate of what we do so um i do the training at that cafe but we do have other sites where um in pakenham and in moe and out in Wonthaggy where we do the same thing with other certificates yeah. with other high school students and then we've also introduced a new mandate where <coughs> we're going to be doing food boxes um out into the community to help feed people in the area that might not have access to food or have oh. enough money for food okay. um, um in partnership with local farmers as well to, so yep. to try and support local farmers as well. So why so. why this altruistic part of you and your family? Because it's a family business, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the um, my brothers involved. My mom and dad are in there. My brother's girlfriend works in it. So we're kind of like there's so many of us that are in that. Where does this altruism come from? <sighs> um, I have always wanted to help people, and I in why. It's hard. I know. Like, why would I want to help people? Yeah. Well, is it a natural thing? Do you think that no, some people... I, I don't think it's a natural thing. I think it's, for some people anyways, I don't think you, you're born wanting to help people. I just think it's, it's a product of, I guess, what you believe in, a product of what your family was like. I was always raised to be very generous. My, both my parents were like that um, and to help people. So I kind of followed their example okay. as well. I think that's um, mostly about what you're taught. It's more a little bit. Nature, yeah. I think you nature. can learn to be generous and learn to be helpful and learn to be kind. Yeah. I think even if you weren't like that at a young, as a young person or whatever age, I feel like you can learn that. And I think it's a skill and a behavior that you can adapt Okay. in my opinion. Yeah. 
You know, we were talking about the law thing earlier, how yeah. your, your mind closes in. Yeah. I'm feeling it now. Yeah. Yeah. Just in our conversation. Oh, cool. Like, I'm forgetting about everything that's going like, oh, let's talk about this. Um, with, with your, uh, that what you're doing, I guess, or what I really wanted to find out is what, what is on your mind as when I interview people, I want to mm. know what they're seeing and how they're feeling and mm. what they're thinking about. What's been, what's been bothering you lately? Bothering me lately. Yeah, because, mm. I mean, it just, it tells me a lot. It teaches me a lot. Yeah, like I think, See? like I turned, I only, I didn't, I turned 25 in September last year, so I'm 26 this year. And I guess, um, I, like I'm not old and like, um, or anything, but you kind of, releasing this new single, which is what the song's about, you kind of just end up looking back on your life and pondering where thing I know. Looking back on your life. <laughs> we can't say that. No, no, okay, um, Looking back on your life and realising that one different choice could have changed everything in a good um, or bad way. Well, you've made powerful, positive choices. I feel like I've made some good choices, for sure. Your life's changed directions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, my life's great. I'm not complaining about my life now, <sighs> but I was really analysing it the past week, like... And I was talking with a friend about it actually as well. And like, you know, if if one one moment or one instance of one conversation that you didn't have with somebody or one choice that you didn't make actually could have changed absolutely everything and what would my life have to look like? Like, for example, mm -hmm. I personally think that mm -hmm. if I hadn't have met my husband at 21 and got married, maybe my career probably maybe would have gone in a different direction. Yeah. Like it could have progressed quicker, but I reckon I would have been a mess. But hang on, you cleaned up your life before you met him. No, I know, yeah. but I reckon, but he definitely keeps me grounded. Oh, does he? He keeps me grounded. Are you the crazy one? Yeah. No, yeah. I think so, a little bit, yeah. Okay. Um, but he, he keeps me grounded. He's so rational and he's so mature and communicates so well and all yeah, that stuff. I, so he helps. I'm intimidated he helps. when I talk to him. Really? No. <laughs> he, um, he's he, so professional. Yeah, he'll be like, hey, and, he, and he helps me. Sometimes I don't even understand what's wrong with my brain and he helps me to understand it and unravel it because yeah. I can get myself in a mental, emotional knot in my head. Yeah. Um, so he's really good that way. But I feel like if I hadn't have met him and I kept going on this music journey and let's just say hypothetically I did get really famous and my yeah. life went, went that in direction, I don't reckon I would have coped very well. I reckon oh. I would have I reckon I would have gotten to my head. I don't reckon I would have been very grounded. I reckon my emotions would have been like this all the time. Um... So yeah. he, he's a real grounding for you. Yeah, he's he's a big influence for me. Yeah. There's a lot of people saying it's better to get famous later in life. Like Ricky Gervais. And, totally agree. Um, yes. Steve Carell. Yeah, totally agree. Like you have this misconception. Well, I had this misconception growing up that, you know, you want to get famous and, and make it in, in the music industry as quickly as possible because then you can be, at it, be in it for longer and people know who you are sooner and all that sort of stuff. But I don't really agree with that. I think like if if it does take that turn, I'm glad that it's going to take a turn later because I feel like I've got the maturity and the character to handle it. Well, let's talk about our poor friend, poor friend, our rich but poor friend, Mr. Bieber. Yes. I met ran into him once, nice guy in yeah. in Sydney at a conference. Mm. But he, uh, poor guy, uh, like he he's had to live his life. He's he's had to live his childhood out on the world stage. Yeah, his whole life's been on the world stage, really. His whole life, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. But those key pivotal times from, mm. when did he get famous? 13 or something. Super right? young. Oh. Super young. And then he's subject to all of the media scrutiny, the yeah. huge fame, the girls lining up outside the loading dock. Gosh, yeah. Oh. yeah. And then all the temptations. I mean, look, well. it would have been fun for like, you know, a day. Like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, everyone knows who I am and stuff. But having to do that every single day for your whole life. 
and not having the freedom and the privacy to be able to make mistakes and and change because mm. obviously like you totally you're going to be a different person from 13 to 25 100%. and you're going to go through a lot of hormonal changes emotional changes you're going to meet people and to not be able to do that and work your own self out and still having to share that with the rest of the world would be really difficult do you get recognized me mm. uh not that often no so it happens it has happened but not not all the time no okay but yeah to answer your question yes i have been recognized before because it's starting to... I've only been doing this with lots of views and stuff since um, August, you know, mm. six months or whatever. Mm. Uh, and I'm getting recognised a lot. And it's just a tiny, tiny... Why are you smiling? It's not, it's not the greatest it's, thing in the world. You don't like it? Okay. No, it's not. It's nice to meet yeah. people in real life mm. and that they like what you do. Mm. But um, it's a tiny, tiny taste mm. of what that would Mr. Be like Bieber's all life. The time. Oh, my goodness. It's not that I don't like being recognised, but, but for no. him, he can't... But you can't go anywhere. People, okay, so people, when I go out now, I always have, I can't just go out like, I'll just hide, no one will see me, you know, <laughs> haven't had yeah. a shower, I just won't yeah. do my head, nothing. Put glasses on. Yeah. I, I can't because people ask for photos. People ask you for photos? Yeah. <gasps> wow. It's not, that part's not good. That's crazy. Because I have to be like, I could end up permanently enshrined on someone's Oh, no, that is photo true. It's like, please don't take a photo of me, like, right now. Yeah, but I can't do it. You know, I want to be nice. I, I know, I know. So you now wanna... every time I go, it's like, just, you know, check your face, check your hair, mm. have a shower. <laughs> I miss going up to the shops looking like a hobo. Oh, gosh. I have no shame. Honestly, I don't care if I was famous. <laughs> I am not going to the shops in this, like, what the to grocery shopping. I wear, like, track pants. Oh, this is too fancy. Yeah, it's just too fancy for me to go grocery shopping in. Oh. No. Nah. I'll I'll wear track pants in winter. It's uggies with a with a hoodie. Like, oh, just run down the groceries. I have no shame with that. Okay, yeah. this is your whole brand thing, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So what's I asked? What's bothering you? That's cool. What is? What are you thinking about? What are you fascinated with lately? What's something that's really capturing your attention? Uh, what is capturing my attention lately? <clears throat> I can go first if you need time to think. Uh, you can go first while I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm. I've been captured by electrification of things lately. I used to work for Tesla and, mm -hmm. and I'm a pilot. So everything I'll, becoming electric? Everything becoming electric. Yeah, so when I was flying helicopters and planes, they're all petrol. And now mm. I'm, I'm looking at um, electric planes are coming out. That's mm. huge. Mm. They're very, very quiet. That's crazy. Yeah. And some of them have like multiple motors and they take off and you as can long get, like, as they Uber. stay in the air i don't mind <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i've just been fa yeah, fascinated about electrification really cool. of everything yeah i think that's where we're gonna go that's really cool yeah. well if we're gonna go on that topic actually um aldi's releasing a robot vacuum and mop and i'm so excited because i want to buy vacuum. it really yeah have you ever had one the no things that i've never had no one. no no, no. My, no, bro good? my brother no. had one and yeah. he said it, just, it doesn't i mean look if you look in this floor it's yeah. not gonna be able to get around there's wires and stuff like you get what if you leave a sock on your kitchen floor yeah what happens with that exactly um, does it go around it anyway, apparently buy, it, buy it anyway it? yeah i want to buy it anyway because i'm really fascinated by that because it's such a pain to sweep them up all the time because my we talked about it before my house I've got no carpet anywhere. Oh, that's great then. No carpet, which is For good. This thing, yeah, yeah, it's good. But like, you get dust and you can feel it all over your feet and oh. like grub from the from the wood. And then when you get into bed at night, and it's gross, and I've got to wipe my you feet. You got to wipe your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to wipe my feet and jump into bed. It's gross. Carpet is the best in the bedroom. I know. You can put a rug. I know. That's what I want to do. That's why I was talking about your rug. I was like, oh, I need one of these. Yeah. Um, but Listen. I was very fascinated by that because um, my husband was like, oh, we should get it. Can we go next? 
first Wednesday it comes out. Oh, he's a tech place. head as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, well, this looks really cool. Let's try it. And what was the other? Yeah, that's the vacuum. Is a mop? Yeah, apparently it mops as well. Oh, okay. So it'll like v goes around and it'll vacuum up all the dirt, and then it'll mop everything for you. Apparently. My prediction is it's going to do. 50% of your floor, 60%, and the rest is going to be, you couldn't to, get to I'll it. still have to do some. Look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that defeats the purpose. So, well, we'll try it. I'll try it. Okay. So but, you've been thinking about robots? Oh, that was, well, that was only yesterday. But okay. <laughs> um, what else have I been thinking about? I guess... Well, I've been listening to music a lot more because I'd have to do a lot of driving. Not that I don't usually listen to music, but because I'm in the car for so long, I have to occupy my time somehow. Because you've moved regional, Vic. Yeah. Yeah. still come in, yeah. Yeah, so I do a lot of driving, and I've been listening to a lot of playlists. And, music or podcasts? Uh, music mainly at the moment, but I am trying to get into podcasts to utilise my time and maybe listen to something Who? helpful. What? Well, Dolly Parton's got a podcast. Wow, you are such a music nerd. Yes, right? okay. Yeah, so I, I think I've listened to one episode of hers already, but I'd like to you know, get into stuff like that um, rather than just listen, listening to music. But um, there's this artist called Maggie Rogers, and she's really cool. She's I think she's... Can, no, she's American. She's American. Um, but she had a... Um, she, I was listening to her speaking about her songs, and she um, is quite... It was just interesting. She was quite similar to me in that she started off writing with poems, and then she had to work out how to turn them into songs. Mm. Um, have you listened to Maggie Rogers before? No, I don't know who that is. Oh, she's so good. Country singer. No, she's like... Oh, no, nah, not really. She's more like an indie... I describe it as like indie pop. Not into indie. Boho no. is my thing. Bo <laughs> boho. She's she's maybe a little boho. Yeah, uh -huh. she's so cool though. I love her. But I don't know. Those that doesn't really answer your question. I guess I was just fascinated by her. Um, but they, do they talk about singing the whole time, or do they talk about life and other issues? Yeah, well, because she um, she did this thing where she had written all these songs, like I think when she was a teenager or whatever, and she hadn't released them yet. So she mm. released like this album or EP sort of thing where she talked about each song before she played the song mm. and, she, and she released them in its original format that she wrote them in okay. to share with everybody how she was originally writing. Which is not the same as what you get on the album, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's different. Okay. Yeah. So I really liked that because it was cool. It's like like listening to Behind a little the scenes. Yeah, it's like listening to a little story. She takes you through each song and talks about where she was at and what she was going through and when she wrote it and all that sort of stuff. Well, again, that's that authenticity and transparency. Yeah, that I'm exactly about. right. Which I would love to do something like that at some point. Um, what? What she did, you, like you do do that. Oh on no! On your Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, like on an album, like it would be so cool oh, to release right, something right. where you can actually talk about each song, and it's actually part of the whole um, experience when they okay. listen to the album. Okay. Yeah. yeah. T. Yeah. Um, T. Swizzle did that. Yeah, she did that a little bit as well. Yeah, she had quite a few on. Uh, I think some of her recent albums. Yeah. So I really like that. She. That. Yeah. I'll, it'll never. I'll never forget. Tay Tay once said, um, she could give a demo of her making whale sounds and the studio <laughs> would love it and say publish it done <laughs> <laughs> yeah well she's so highly respected now in the industry that you know anything that she puts out and, and releases it is probably going to get taken mm. in, in a good light because mm. she's been doing it for so long mm -hmm. it's like it's got to be good whatever she releases mm -hmm. yeah so do you, you do you feel like you are you a know-it-all like young people know it all they think they've got it all worked out because you sound like you're more, you're pretty open to, you, you're saying things like, I'm young, I don't really know where I'm going. Like, yeah. You've got a fairly, fairly humble 
I perspective, hope so. It I think it's really important to stay humble because I don't think anybody knows everything. But no, I don't know everything. I've been married for two years. I mean, I can't compare to people who've been married. That's just one example. People been married for 30 years. I mean, I'm still learning how to, you know, be a wife and yeah. how to communicate better and all those sorts of things. So yeah. oh, you're, I'm always learning. There's always something that I don't know. Okay. So mm. if we think forward to the rest of your life mm. with this kind of an attitude, what do you think, what, what are your plans? What do you think will happen? Uh, just in general? Yeah, I mean, I, mm. I predict our world will get a little bit more messy, like we've talked a Definitely. little bit about. I do agree. A bit mm. more tricky. A bit more tricky. I think a lot more lines are going to get blurred Ooh. as well, okay. without talking too yeah. much about politics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but it... I think more lines are just going to get blurred. Um, I just, I, I think people are, you know, are analysing things a lot more. People are asking a lot more questions. People are open to a lot more change and progression, but I also think with that, some there's lines that are going to get blurred. There's always going to be, like we talked about before, there's always going to be someone that's not going to be happy. There's always going to be someone that you, is, um, that you won't be able to please in, in a legal sense or in any sense. So, so what, what do we do as young people? I'm going to put myself in your age group now. Yeah. How do we prepare for that world? Because we're in our 20s and 30s, so hmm. we're thinking majority of our lives, but 40s, hmm. 50s, 60s. So the next 30 years... How do we prepare years. for that? Yeah. I mean, you say lines are blurred. I'm wondering if um, people are going to get angrier, which I don't like. Like the US is a little bit... Well, oh, you're from the US, right? So yeah, I like um, that Australians are less um, partisan. Yeah, they're a bit more... Everyone talks about it globally, much more relaxed. Yeah. They're a bit more laid back, yeah. a bit more relaxed. And I do agree. I love that. About that. Aussies. So. I don't want us to lose that. No, I don't want us to lose that either. I don't want us to get so uptight picking on every little thing and mm. complaining about every little thing either. Like, sure, you know, it, and it applies to everything, pick your battles. Mm. And if it's something that you're really passionate about and it's important, for sure, speak up and say something, write your letters, do whatever you need to do. Mm. But I don't want, I don't like this whole culture of, you know, I don't like every little thing I'm going to complain about everything mm. it's like at some point you've got to get content and satisfied that this is where we're at and accept that this is where we're at right now okay if that makes sense yeah mm. so so the next 30 years how do we uh, what what this, this kind of world that we're going to live in maybe what you're doing is really important you know the mental health aspect um, being aware of who you are yeah I think that honest. becomes much more prevalent I think authenticity that you've talked about is going to become very important very important um, and just like being positive, which sounds very cliche, but like you said, if people are going to get more angry, I think people are going to need much more, uh, I don't want to say TLC, but like much more love and like positivity and, and good support around them as well. So that they're not so angry. I don't know. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I see it as the world is probably going to get darker in some ways. And so that which shines is going to appear brighter, brighter and brighter. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I'm just trying to figure out how to be a, a light and not a shade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's a good term. I don't want to be a shade. I want to be a light. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, which is, why, which is why I write songs that are quite often, even though, like, even though Thinking About You highlighted you know, something that's sad, I wanted to bring hope in that sadness. So that's kind of what I want to do through my music. And mm. yeah, I mean, if the world, and I agree with you, it's probably going to get, it is going to get darker and things are going to get much harder in, in all sorts of ways. It's going to be even more important to bring that hope and that light to people 
even if it's through music. Because at least music can reach people anywhere. It can mm. reach them in their bedrooms and at home and when they're at work. And more people might listen to your music than will watch my stuff. Because it's, <laughs> it's neutral. Oh, true. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Yeah, because I do want to try and keep it as neutral as possible. I don't want to... I don't want to be ex- my music to be exclusive to one group or one type of person. I want mm. it to be in- inclusive of any anybody and everybody to listen to and to experience, um, I guess, what I experienced when I wrote it, um, to understand where I was coming from, to hear my story, mm. and to hopefully be positively influenced by it in some capacity. Okay. Did I uh, cover your story? You've, anything you want to say about your story? We kind of covered a little bit. Oh, like my background? Yeah. Yeah, I think we covered a bit. Like, grew up in the US. Oh, no, yeah, I know. But you, yeah, when you yeah. say you want you want your... Anyway, so I'm, I'm going to wrap up the interview. I want to make sure you've said everything you want to say. Oh, yeah. Unless... Should I, like... I don't know. Did you want me to quick, quickly talk about my new single? I kind of did talk about it a little bit. No, though. but you should plug yourself. Plug it? I'll plug it. Um, yeah, well, I'm releasing a new single. It's called 23, and it comes out on March 19th, so in about two weeks. It's available for pre-order tomorrow. Um, pre-order and pre-sale. On your website. Yeah, on my website, on all the socials. The links are all on there as well. Yep, I'll paste them down below. DaisySpratMusic.com. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we talked about it. The whole song's pretty much just about unmet expectations and dealing with changes and pivoting to those changes when life doesn't go to plan. Which is definitely what we need to do. And they can also listen to you on Spotify, I assume. Mm-hmm. Do, yeah. they, do you get, like, nothing from Spotify? <laughs> is that how it um, uh, You have to... I'll put it this way... You do make money from Spotify, but you need to get into like millions and millions of hits. So not quite there yet, but that's okay. Spotify is a great outlet, though. It means you can playlist stuff and listen to similar songs. So I don't mind. Okay. Mm. All right. I better ask you the question I've been asking all my guests at the end. The magic wand question. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I should email you guys before you come in so you can think about it. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) So magic wand question. If you had a magic wand... How would you fix the world? How would I fix the world? Yeah. It's basically saying one wish, but you have a magic wand. I'm going to change this. Mm. It tells me a lot about what people think is wrong with the world. It also tells me a lot about how mm. they think it should be fixed because everyone uses their magic wand in a different way. I would make everyone humble. Whoa. <laughs> this is a good one. Okay. Let's explore that. Okay. Make everyone humble. And the reason I would do that is if when people are humble, you're more more open to admit when you're wrong or to be like, oh, no, you're right. That's probably something I need to work on and not be so arrogant and all that sort of stuff, which I think could, I think causes a lot of problems with communication. People don't think they need to change. They think that they've already sorted everything out and they, um, yeah, they're not humble. So I feel like that would, I think it would fix some things. Would never happen, but if it was a magic wand. Hmm. Everyone was humble. Humble enough to say, you know, humble enough to say, like, I'm sorry, or humble enough to say, I got that a bit wrong, or humble enough to say, "Um, I've still got room to grow and room to improve. This is a very cool wish. It also would remove the... um the the uh, virtue signaling the uh, the fakeness we talked about earlier yeah that's true because you yeah. just be like yeah you will be me. humble this is who I am yeah you probably also remove lying there'd be less reason less to lie. less reason to lie yeah because why would you need to lie because you're humble yeah 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 be yeah. humble I hope so 
I'd like. I hope that I am. That's the most ridiculous question in the world because <laughs> the humble person is going to be like, oh, I don't know, uh, like what you said. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and somebody says, "Yes, I'm humble." No, you're not. You're like, mm, not sure. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I try to be. Okay, cool. Mm. Uh, and last question: Do you do you feel like you're changing the world with your music? Like what we talked about, the Andrew Fletcher quote that music does change the world. Do you feel like you are? Yeah, I I think so. Like even if even if it means one person has been influenced by my music, yeah. that's still special to me. But I have had, um, over the years, I have had messages from people um, about my songs just saying, hey, I had a really low day and I listened to your song and it really picked me up today. Okay. Like, those are the sorts of things that I want to see when people listen to my songs. Amazing. All right, go check out uh, Daisy Spratt's songs. <laughs> what a cool maiden name. It's not your name anymore, is it? No, Daisy it's not. Sprat. Because Sprat was a chocolate... Back to food. Sprats was a chocolate fish in New Zealand. I know. I was going to say that. So have when, you had them? I have, actually. I have, <laughs> I have had them. So whenever someone says, oh, how do you spell? I'm like, oh, like the Sprat fish, but with two Ts. But we don't have Sprats here. No, how we don't. How have you known about them? Oh. Is G from New Zealand? No, he's not. No, he's not. He's Sri Lankan. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no, I think my dad. I oh, think your my... kids are going to be so chocolatey. I know they're going to be latte Caramel. babies. Oh, yeah, yeah I know they'll have such nice skin. I have to fake tan all the time. I'm not fake tan today. Why do you? Because do... my wife's I know my wife's we... Swedish, and she yeah. says the same. Similar sk- yeah. lighter skin. Yeah. Why do you guys all think that darker olive skin's nicer? Um, it creates this weird illusion that. You just look different when you have tan on. It's the weirdest thing. You, I know we talked about being authentic and stuff. Yeah. This is authentic me. I'm not wearing fake tan. Okay. Um, but, but um, I don't know. It like completely changes your um, not complexion, but it. I don't know. It makes you look bright and fuller. I can't explain. But it. in China, they try and go white. I know they want to go white. So maybe it's a society thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you look at dark people, like uh, Rook Shan or your husband, he's quite dark as yeah. well. They're not there saying, "Look, I want to be darker." No, he loves his skin. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, he's like, but he always, he jokes me. He's like, oh gosh, you're really pasty, honey. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, wait. I don't say that to my wife. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's all right. I just feel like you can, like, when you have freckles and your spots, I feel like the fake tan kind of blurs it all together. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. there you go. Anyway, but, thank you for coming in. You're welcome. <laughs> I, uh, that was great. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, I did. It was really fun. I've actually, I've actually never been drunk, right? My husband's never been drunk either. What a prude. What a goody two-shoes he is. I know, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like I was drunk just now. The second half of the interview. I was just, I just mesmerized by a conversation. I really? Was, yeah, yeah. And I was just like... I was enjoying it. I felt like I could keep talking for ages. Yeah, I was like, am I even asking good questions anymore? Part of, part of my brain, I was like, oh, God, this is going controversial. I have no idea how people are going to react, but that's totally fine. We'll just roll with it. So but yeah, that's fine. Some people I say- have very, very, very specific opinions on stuff, but I'm just really careful what I share because, yeah. Some people, some podcasters say uh, that the more you can forget about the cameras and get into that zone, yeah. the better it is. But yeah. I, I feel kind of like disconnected and adrift. I'm like, mm. am I, is this even interesting anymore? Do people mm. want to see this? Mm. I thought it was interesting. I'm going to rewatch it and see if it was- Rewatch it. I always shock myself though when I, um, when I'm list like when I get do an interview like this or something. Oh, you do these? Oh, like not like this. This is probably like the most formal thing I've done. But formal? You, yeah, it seems like it's professional. Oh, you know, professional. like it's like a legit thing. Like oh, oh. um, but I, I like um, I do a lot of like radio interviews, so it might not yeah. be in person, but it'll be over the phone. Yeah. But like whenever I talk about those sorts of things, um, I lost my tangent. I was on a tangent. 
I was just saying whether it's interesting or not. Oh, no, I lost it. No, I, can't I do remember. like it though, and it makes me wonder what it's like to be drunk because it's a nice feeling to not be in control. I know, which is also the disadvantage because if you can't control yourself, you do stupid things. Yeah, but I'm not doing anything I know, stupid no, I now. I know, I know. But, and um, I also like reading the law when I feel like this. I'm like, oh, I can really see. You can see Hayden's. things. Yeah, and I yeah. used to write essays and I'd have a glass of wine. I'd be. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. To help you. To, <laughs> because I'd be like, it'd be like 11 p.m. and it's due at 8 a.m. I'm like, all right, let's get going. Look. <laughs> <laughs> and what were the results like after having a drink for you? Uh, one of them... Actually, some of them I did really well. Succession was my highest scoring subject. I got a HD. But um, I actually did it right. I got distinction, a lot of distinctions. Mm. Mm. So I didn't do too bad. I miss it so much. Studying. But law in particular. Mm. I love reading judgments. Really? Yeah. Didn't you like it? I like reading the summaries. Oh, okay. Like, like the judgment summaries. Like, although it depends on what the case is. Like, sometimes it's interesting to actually read, like, the whole thing. Mm. Um, but if it's, like, 80 pages, I'm like, oh, I might just kind of... We can skim. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. I just do skimming. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I like to get into the judges' heads. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting to see the way that they balance things and try and to make a decision. Mm. I remember listening to somebody who worked for uh, one of the lawmaking groups or something for the government, but... Um, and he helped, like, establish some laws. But he was saying, because he wrote songs too, weirdly enough, and he used to say that um, when he wrote Judgments and was writing laws, it was like writing a song. That's how he no did way. it. That's how, how he described it. He's older. He'd be, like, in his 60s. And when he was writing Judgments or drafting legislation? Sorry, drafting ju- legislation. Oh. When he was drafting, le- drafting legislation, he would say, he said that, yeah, it's kind of like writing a song. Like, you've got to somehow communicate this so that you can understand it, but, like... You don't want it to be, I don't know, boring. It's so true. I read a lot of legislation now because of the stuff I do. Some of it is written really robotically and like I can hear... I'm like, oh, this is so boring. Yeah. Yeah. But then sometimes you read it and like you're like, oh, that makes sense. That's really good. So. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how you describe it. I just thought it was really interesting. I was like, oh my God, I'm a songwriter. I can totally relate to that. (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah. It's like when you write an essay, like try and make it sound interesting, even though you're talking about the law. Yeah. Here you go. Oh, it's, how am I going? I'm feeling spacey.